Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Darshan Mehta, who's the founder of iResearch.com. If you've ever been wondering how do you have those real, honest conversations with your customers, and more importantly, how you get that valuable feedback for your customers in terms of what they think about your product, your service, or any other things that you're offering, iResearch.com is the platform that does that. It's pretty amazing. We talk more about it today, and we talk about why it's so important as business owners to have that consistent, valuable feedback loop with your customers. Stay tuned. We're getting into it today. Here comes your good advice. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. So you might be thinking about in your business, hey, how do I actually talk to my customers? More importantly, how do I talk to people who can give me insights on the direction my business needs to go? A lot of times when we're thinking about our new sexy entrepreneurial idea or our new startup, we go to our best friend, we go to our mom, we go to people who we know love us and like us, and they'll tell us, hey, it's great. You know, you do it, you make it happen. But many of us wonder, okay, what do, what do unbiased people think? How do I actually do the market research I need to do to actually get my business in a place where it can actually start to make some money? We're going to be talking about that today. I'm sitting down with Darshan Mehta. We're going to be talking about his business, iResearch.com, that he started back in 1998. He's been in business for over two decades. He's also the author of the book, Getting to Aha, Today's Insights or Tomorrow's Facts. He's also been an adjunct professor pretty much all over the world, uh, from France to Switzerland to Washington, D.C. And we're going to be digging into the journey of not just his startup and the awesome things he's been doing with that, but more importantly, some of the insights that you can take along the way. Darshan, it's great to have you on the show today. Hey, it's great to be here, Blake. I really am excited to, to talk to you. I am as well. And, and tell me, first <clears throat> of all, uh, where are you calling in from? I'm in Washington, D.C. currently. Okay, so how's how's the weather? It's good. It's good. It's uh, usually pretty uh, awful heat, but right now it's pretty good. And uh, yeah. having a good good summer so far. I didn't know if it was just miserably hot where I am, or if it's <laughs> if it's other places too. So, <laughs> well, actually, the last year and a half I've been spending in, in, in Thailand. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, so this is cool. I was I was reading about your bio. I was seeing that you've taught all over the place. I mean, talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, that has to be such an exciting part of your journey. Sure. This kind of related back into how I got into this as well. As I've I've always enjoyed uh, when I was in college, case studies, you know, like solving problems. Yeah. And I often notice that a lot of times you're given all these facts, figures, and numbers, but the real key is discerning through all that noise and getting to what's really causing the problem. Because once you identify the problem, then you can start working on solutions. So having said that, I, I decided I just wanted to do that when I got out of college and I decided to go into consulting. And that led to me actually getting into market research and solving problems because I like the variety of problems. I don't really mind problems. I just love solutions. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the market research world, I mean, this is something that 
everyone dips their toe in at some point whenever they're they're trying to grow their business, especially if they're a startup, they're trying to validate right. their idea. Um, it, it feels like, you know, I think of it like, um, I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. It's like the post iPod world where, you know, everything we want, we want it now. Like we just, you know, like the iPod, you can just scroll and like, you can just have right. your music, right. As opposed to like flipping through like the Rolodex binder thing. But, um, it, it almost feels like everyone wants the answer to what their customers want and like, and literally in a heartbeat. And it feels like there's a lot of bad advice on this. Talk to me about the market research game and, and maybe more specifically, why did you start iResearch? So insights are, I think, <clears throat> the real key. Um, and that's where you basically is a differentiator. You know, we're, we live in a very hyper-competitive world. You're not only competing with the person next to you, it's the person in your state, in your country, and even now internationally. Yeah. Right? And so how do you differentiate yourself? The good news is there's always ways to differentiate. Right. But the key is how do you differentiate so that you basically can customers say, hey, I like what you're offering and I'm willing to pay for it. Right. And that's the ultimate getting to product market fit for entrepreneurs is, is, is getting there. And even, even well-known companies that we know now, you know, they didn't have that initial product market fit until they started talking to customers. But it, you know, it, not, it, it, Airbnb is a perfect example. Do you know their story? No. Huh? I mean, you know, I mean, you, you, we both work in like the entrepreneurial startup world. Everyone, everyone has like their version, right? right? Of like, but it's more like ego. It's like, well, you know, we, we're basically Airbnb, you know? And so, yeah, no, tell me, tell me the, uh, tell me the story. Well, they, they started out uh, in Texas um, to basically, they wanted to go to a conference they couldn't go to. And they realized, hey, maybe we can, you know, rent somebody else's rooms and stuff. But long story short, you know, they were actually, I think, a Y incubator. And someone told them, look, go talk to your customers because their biggest market was New York at the time. But they just weren't getting to where they wanted to. So they actually flew out to New York and they actually sat down with real customers that were posting. And they realized one of the things that they were just not doing well was putting on good pictures. Hmm. So they just gave them better ways to put on better pictures and do it. And within a week, they more than doubled their uh, their sales on Airbnb. This is pretty amazing. I mean, it's, it's and I... I love what you said at at the beginning. Like there, there are simple concepts to business, and yet we make things so complicated. Right. So I think everyone listening understands this concept of yeah, just need to go talk to my customers. Customers, they'll give me the insights I need. Why does it feel like we're so hesitant to actually talk to our customers, or or why does it feel so clunky sometimes actually sitting down in front of a buyer? That's a great question. I think sometimes simplest things seem like oh that. That's too simple, right? <laughs> yeah. I think we just need to overcomplicate it. That way we're we're busy, we're doing something. But here, here's something that you can't avoid. And that is that one way or another, your marketplace is going to speak to you. Your choice is really, do you want to listen sooner or later, mm. right? And the sooner is, do you do that before you spend a lot of money, time, and investment and getting feedback? Or right. do you do it after you do all of that? And some people <laughs> are really good at, you know, at guessing in the dark and, and doing it, you know, but others, like most of us, you know, need a little bit more guidance from our customers to say, you know, we, we can nail it right. How often do you talk to owners who, um, frankly, their egos in the way, like they're, they're getting the customer. I mean, I've heard, I've heard owners where customers are basically pretty blatantly being like, I don't like your product and owners being like, or founders saying, well, you know, then you can buy someone else's or you can go somewhere else. And like, not bridge the disconnect of, well, they, they are going somewhere else. They are, you know, you're broke. I mean, 
How often does that ego factor play in? I think often, right? I mean, look, I mean, even, even with my products, you know, it's your baby, right? I mean, you you gave it birth, you're growing it, you want to make it, you know, out in the world, you want it to do well, right? So I can understand that. But in all honesty, you're often getting the best feedback from those that are a bit more critical. Mm. And the reason is because they're actually thinking about your product and service and their needs. And they're saying, this just doesn't meet my needs. But if you truly listen to them, I think you could often tweak what you're trying to offer and make it even better. Well, there's also like this comfortability with um, pivoting your products, like where you talk to your customers and the product you envision creating, you know, there's this one little, little tiny part of it that your customers actually like. Um, and that becomes, if, I guess, if you're willing, um, that can be the, the thing you pivot to that actually you know, explodes your or explodes the revenue for your brand. I guess the question is, do people actually, are they willing to be agile enough to make that pivot? For example, recently I, I launched this Connect Quick uh, app and I started getting feedback. And one of the people said, you know, I can't edit the picture. This sucks. It's a terrible app, right? <laughs> and so I'm going, you know, of course that hurts. I, I decided to respond. I'm saying, well, tell me exactly what happened. Yeah. And, you know, we do have this edit button here, but if you can't find it, let me know if there's a better way to do it. Long and short, the person found it. And not only that, he came back and said, oh, this is great. I love it. When's the full <laughs> app going to come? So a lot of times people are gonna kind of reacting quickly. And instead of taking it personally, yeah, actually take that as a benefit because they actually took the time to give you feedback. Yeah, Because you know a lot of people just walk away and you never hear anything. Right. They might tell 10 other people, but not tell you. And that's more harmful, right? But if they actually take the time to tell you whether it's positive or negative, you know, Put the personal ego aside and say, hey, what are they really saying here? And that requires you basically stepping out of your shoes into their shoes. And perhaps, you know, we're not talking about facts, right? I mean, factually, the edit button was there in my app, right? We're talking about perception. Yeah. And that's where you need to manage perceptions. And quite honestly, I've often found that these types of people who give the feedback, they're your biggest opportunity to become super fans. Wow. Okay. So let's talk about, let's drill into this concept of, of the super fan. Talk to me more about what you're getting at with that. I would say there's a certain people that are really hypercritical about something, right? Um, but those are often the ones that if you can meet or address that critique, they will become your super fan and say, wow, this now fits what I'm trying to do. I mean, a perfect example is Patagonia. I mean, the company was started because the owner felt like everything out there just sucked. <laughs> And he was just a, a super hiker, naturalist going out there and nothing met his needs. So he ended up saying, you know, in this situation, making a product. And as a result, he has super fans because they identify with this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in getting to that point of the super fan, or I like to call them uh, raving fans. Sure. You know, people who will stand on top of a, a mountain and shout out your business name. I mean, they've drank the Kool-Aid <laughs> on your bath, I guess. Uh, you know, parsing through this feedback, is there is there any insight there around getting thick thick skin and becoming resilient to some? Because people nowadays, I don't know, actually maybe this has always been the case, but even on social media, on like your website page or what have you, not only will they give the feedback, but I mean they'll write they'll write it in the most um, harsh. <laughs> sure. sure. I mean, let's say this was the worst experience I've ever had, or. You know, I mean, I even I've seen some things that um, are very like aggressive, um, or someone who just had such a bad experience, a very visceral reaction. 
How, how can we as business owners develop that thick skin and frankly, not take it personal so that we can lean in to those experiences and maybe even potentially turn them into a super fan? Great uh, question. I think the way I deal with it is saying, look, sure, I take it personal, but I'm not going to reflect that in what I'm writing and putting out publicly, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you take a step back, get over the emotion and really think about what they're saying. And I think I think to a degree, you are going to get some more negative comments and, and, and some more passion in the internet. That's just going to be given. Are you going to make everyone a super fan? No. Um, but you're going to make a certain percentage that will become super fan. And I think the best thing, whether it's positive or negative, I would highly encourage everyone to respond one way or another and maintain professionalism and try to keep the emotion out of it. That's great you know? advice. And- as long as you keep the emotion out of it, that doesn't mean they will or they won't. It, it's what you do because ultimately you only control yourself. Right. Right. So I think, I think others will see that in the responses. But what happens if you don't respond to the negative stuff, then that can take on its own character and being without any response from the original creator or owner or brand. And that's where you lose control of the message. Mm. You don't want to do that. As long as you say, look, and sometimes, look, you just make mistakes and own up to and say, hey, we made a mistake. You're right. We'll fix it. You know, people are looking for you know, authenticity and the fact that you're willing to listen and react. You know, not just a one-way conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, and and it seems like you know there's so many opportunities to 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 differentiate yourself, and even having those kind of kinds of honest conversations can go a long way. Um, it also seems like many of us are. I've talked to many entrepreneurs who are just starting out, who basically they their perception of entrepreneurship is um, essentially, I don't want to fail. And so whatever I do, I want it to work immediately and from the get-go. You know, it's almost like I'm stepping up to bad and I had, I literally have one pitch that I, I want to hit. Um, sure. Talk to me a little yeah. bit about just gonna say the journey of entrepreneurship and like what it really looks like. I mean, is 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 it this one and done? You know, you knock the ball out of the park from the get-go, or <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we know the answer. I mean, what you know, but you know. Even if you do knock it out of the park the first time, if you're a true entrepreneur, you're going to want another ball game. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so, and I think that's where we can talk about failing. What is exactly failing? Right? It's failing that you make a decision and it was a wrong decision, and let's say you, you know you trip and fall on your face. I would say that's not failing. I would say that's trying. Right? Mm-hmm. I think failing is not learning from that. Right? If you make the same mistake two, three times, now there's a common denominator. <laughs> It's not the failing. It's you're not learning from it. Mm-hmm. And I think all these opportunities where you might make the wrong decision, and of course you're going to. No, nobody makes them all right. Is those are all opportunities to learn, to change, and to adapt. So I, I think it's the definition of fail that one should really think about. It feels like the people who've been in entrepreneurship, they have like a, a comfortability with this concept of, you know, swinging and missing. But on the same token, it also feels like people have developed these um entrepreneurial personas that it's like it's like i gotta be the next steve jobs like i gotta be the next you know and it's like the these um celebrity-esque figures in their mind of you know that's that's what i want to be i guess sometimes rather than like really drilling in on like what does the customer want like how does my product help them um how often have you seen i think you're spot on i think you're spot on i think a lot of people end up wanting to be an entrepreneur or want to pursue because they see this in the news of so-and-so doing so well. But my advice would be find a real problem, solve a problem, and the rest will fall in place. 
Because if you think about it, really, I, I thought about this even for my products. If you can do one of three things, right, your chance of being successful are pretty good. And those three things are one, save people time, save them money, or make it easy. Mm. If you can do one of those three things, you're going to most likely do well. However, if you can do two or three, I would argue you might even three extra chance of being successful, right? Like if you can save people money, time, and make it easy, you're going to, I think, three times increase your chance to being successful. Well, and I, I don't want to be overly circular in our conversation, but I'm just thinking of like the disconnect between someone who's like, oh, this saves my customer so much time. And then they finally talk to them. And the customer's like, I don't even, that doesn't <laughs> even help me. I don't even, <laughs> I don't even right. want that. You know, and so I, it's interesting, again, not to, to beat this horse any longer, um, but it's interesting our perception versus our customers' perceptions and that right. disconnect sometimes. Right. So. And ultimately, you know, they need to be convinced that this is going to help them save time, money, enough that they're willing to pay for it, right? Mm -hmm. But there's one more element. It's three plus one, what I call. And the fourth element, and this is the X factor, is can you evoke an emotion? Right. If you can evoke an emotion, you're not, not now you're not going from three X, you're going to potentially six, 10 X mm -hmm. based on that emotion. It's the power of messaging, the power of your brand. I mean, I'll give you another example. I think Steve Jobs did it perfectly, right? I mean, they weren't the first MP3 player out there. But when they did, I think he saw what was happening in the technology. Drives were getting smaller and cheaper. And then he realized, why not come up with a concept where you can put a thousand songs in your pocket? And I remember when he did this, like, what? Are you kidding me? I can put a thousand songs in my pocket? Because before then, you're carrying on CDs and all this stuff. And that evoked an emotion, mm -hmm. right? And not only does this save time, money, and made it easy, but it also evoked an emotion like, like, this is really cool. And then you throw in that flywheel, right? Yeah. Well, there was, I remember, I mean, there was like a sense of pride with it too, where the sense of, you know, you had your, your CD binder and you would flip through and choose, you know, the CD you want. But I remember getting my first iPod and I mean, I'm not sharing it with anyone, but like for me, there was this sense of like, wow, like I get to have, like, everything's right there. I yeah, mean, my whole collection. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, this is, yeah. And I was like, this is my collection. I remember getting on, you know, back in the day when you'd have to get on iTunes and like sync right. your, you know, sync it together. And you know, you're constantly adding to iTunes and, you know, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a great, you make a great point on drawing in the emotion factor. Yeah. So, so I think one of the things people are doing these days, they're no longer buying products. They're buying experiences. There's so how does products out there? Well, how does someone create that experience? I mean, it, I mean, are we back to talking to your customers? I mean, how, how does someone really legitimately create um, cause, cause here's what I think about is I think about people who they go to like these answers without actually differentiating themselves. So like one right. of the things, one of the things that drives me crazy when I talk to entrepreneurs, I ask the question like, why, okay, so why would I buy from you? And the answer I always get like nine times out of 10 is <laughs> customer service. I and mean, we, we give the best customer service. And I'm like, this cannot be true for everyone. I mean, right. when's, when's the last time you truly had a memorable, authentic like wowing experience when it came to a company and their customer experience. But yet we as business owners, like we hang our hat on what we, you know, we're different. You know, we do this. I mean, right. what, how, how do we authentically create this, this differenti differentiated product that creates that experience? 
Yeah, I think, you know, first, you, a lot of people, you start with the product, right? But then at some point, you need to step back and say, what's the total experience from the very first time someone contacts me to the time they research the product or find out the features and benefits to actually buying it, then actually getting it, and then actually opening the box or whatever, and the, that whole experience. Mm. You need to think about that total experience because actually customer service begins at the very first point of contact, yeah. not after it's sold. Right. Not to say that's not important. That part is important, but the total experience of what, and there's so many ways to differentiate that. That's the beautiful thing, right? I mean, if you think about it, more and more companies now are, are think, uh, seeing that, what's the experience of you opening the box? How's the pa- packaging and so on? And so I think they're recognizing that, but there's a lot more that can be done there for sure. Well, I, I love how you point out that it's not just about the point of sale because a lot no. of times, many of us in the sales world, it is that point of sale. And it's if they're not ready to buy, a lot of people don't have the patience to stay with them. You know, it's let me move on to the next person. And in many cases, once the money has changed hands or you know, they've they've you know paid your strap account or what have you, it's it's out of sight, out of mind. It's that sale is done. Now let me move on to the next person to sell. So I love this concept that you're sharing of really the customer journey. From the very first moment of connection, even to when maybe you offboard them, you know the deal is done, and you know they're moving on, and you know to whatever else they're moving on to. Right. I mean, if you think about it, a lot of the customer experience happens before they even made the decision to purchase, because chances are that experience is going to influence whether they buy or not. Yeah. And then if it's a really expensive item, what happens to a lot of people is sometimes buyer's remorse, right? <laughs> like, oh no, should I have spent the money? Should I have done that? So that's where you know the rest of your experience comes into play. Follow up. Is there anything we could do to help you uh, to enjoy the experience and so on? Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, you don't want to bug people, but nowadays you can control it to whatever level that they want and are interested in. Yeah. But yeah, so the, I think you need to think about not just the product. You know, once you solve have a product solve the problem, but now think about the total experience that people are going to have from the point of initial contact. You know, whichever whatever your marketing is, and so on, to the point to actually learn about you, um, and actually interact with your product or service, and then actually post purchase. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, we're getting towards the tail end of the conversation. I want to ask more personally about you. Sure, tell me a little bit about your. You know, and we have people who are all over the place who are listening. They're entrepreneurs. They're thinking about their own business, and they love getting the insight on you know who is this person and why did they step into the world of entrepreneurship. So take me back to 1998, starting iResearch. Um, what what happened? Why why did you start the business? So I liked, as I said earlier, I like doing uh, projects of case studies and stuff. <clears throat> and so I decided I wanted to go into market research because you you get exposed to many different products and services. And ended up uh, actually, I'm Indian originally from born in India, so I had this. I've been accused of having an extra tech gene. So at that point, I was looking at online research and online focus groups and surveys, and not much was being done at that time. And so I decided to uh, do this. And this is before even Google. Yahoo was the search engine at that time. And at that point, everything was based on alphabetical order. But I realized if you had an exclamation in front of your name, you're at the very top. So that's how the name iResearch came about. But then I realized you can't get a domain name with an exclamation. <laughs> so that's iResearch. I love it. Um, and it's, it's, it's almost, you know, what's crazy is in hindsight, 
you had the i you had the uh the ipod come out and then now that um prefix is so synonymous with um convenience and um you internet. know it's it's internet it's personal you know all these different <laughs> things um so great job you know seeing things in <laughs> advance i guess i don't know i mean well that's <laughs> part of the right thing about insights and and uh you know, I'm at my book and one of the, the subtitle is today's insights are tomorrow's facts. Because if you think about it, if you can get these insights before everybody else assumes it's a fact, you have such a head start among you before your competition. Mm-hmm. And it's true in everything. I mean, the world we take around uh, as we know it now, at some point, this was an insight that someone had and created, right? I mean, look, I mean, podcast didn't exist before. But now they do. And look, look, look how it's changed everything. Now, yeah, sure, podcasts around. It's, they weren't always around. Yeah. And right? I mean, it, it's interesting, you know, navigating that with other people's perceptions of like, um, you know, it, it's like nowadays everyone has a website, right? And like you had, a, you had a time period when people were like, well, I mean, do I really need that? Do I, should I really have that? But even with social media, it, we, I think we went from, I remember the first time I met someone who I, I asked her, I said, what do you do for a living? She said, oh, I'm a social media manager. <laughs> and I was like, uh, is that a thing? Like what? And she was like, yeah. Like I, and I was like, this can't be real. Right and now it's like, you know, how you think about running a business, how could you not have some kind of social media um, involvement? Well, I remember but, uh, when the internet was a dial-up and uh, <laughs> showing to a friend of mine, and she said, oh, this will never take off. It's terrible. <laughs> and I agreed. It was slow, but, you know, the promise was there. <laughs> is, is there any insight there to um, being ready for when these things happen, like when these developments happen, um, you know, when the market shift, new innovations happen? I mean, is it, is, it, is it just being ready, being able to pivot, being, you know, ear to the ground, listening? I mean, how does someone pick up on these insights? to be ready to basically profit from it, not in a nefarious way, but to be able to pivot your business without being behind the eight ball. That's where you need conversations. And that's what the iResearch platform is about, is having conversations. I mean, for example, I feel very fortunate that I've been in the market research insights industry because as a result, I feel like I have a, a plug into what I call the jet stream of society, right? And so you kind of have a, an idea of what things are happening. And I think part of also understanding what is an insight. A lot of times people confuse an insight as a fact or an observation. It's more than that. It's the combination of trends, social trends, technological trends, plus observations and facts all together. To give an example, I think some of the best people who have insights are comedians, right? Because they're the types, you're sitting listening to this and you go, oh my God, that is so true. Yes. You know? Yes, you're right. They do this and they do this. And they, oh, yeah, that is an insight. And real smart comedians tap into that because they're really good observers of human nature, behavior, but also societal trends. And when they put it all together in a nice package and they give it to you, it makes you say, oh, my God, that's so true. That is an insight. It, it, I think the best example of this is Jerry Seinfeld and yeah, watching, oh, watching <laughs> Seinfeld and you know, oh, they're a close talker or, or whatever it is. And then you've never heard anyone say this before, but you're just like, oh my gosh, I know exactly what that person means. Um, I love, I love your comment there. That's so spot on. Because you know, it's, you know what, so many of our decisions, like even the experience are not made by the conscious mind. It's made by the subconscious, right? And our subconscious mind processes a tremendous amount of information from visual to audio. And so, a lot of these things we're thinking and feeling, but we haven't articulated. 
mm-hmm. or crystallize the thought. But that's when a comedian comes around and crystallizes that <laughs> thought. And you say, oh, my God, that's so funny. I've thought this. I felt this. Or, you know, that is an insight. So and now- those insights are all around us. And all you really need is conversations, you know. And once you do that, you'll see that. I mean, honestly, you don't even need to worry about competitors because now you can become your biggest competitor. Mm. And it, I mean, and taking it back to our first conversation, this this is so simple to understand. The question is for the listeners: um, Will they actually step in and actually have these conversations and seek out these conversations, or more importantly, uh, maybe they should just hire you and your business to help facilitate it on their behalf? <laughs> well, actually, I've been doing this for a while uh, as a consultant, but now I'm actually setting up the platform and training people to do it on their own because they can do it wow. on their own. And the thing is, it's better if they do. But I do think they have a couple of challenges. They have to overcome the bias nature. You know, they have to be open to listen to positive and negative feedback, right? <laughs> and, and to learn from that. Uh, but I think and, it can be done, and it can be done a lot faster and more affordably nowadays than ever as well. Mm-hmm. And that's the key because the insights are out there, you know, and you just need to tap into them. And if you do this enough, you you'll get better at it, and you'll see that it's just a whole new world. Mm-hmm. Well, Darshan, this has been a wonderful conversation. It's been so fun. Um, I've gained plenty of insights myself uh, listening to you. For people who are listening themselves, they're thinking, okay, I, I want to connect with this person and maybe even work with this person. What's what's the next best steps for them? The best way they can uh, register at uh, www.iresearch.com or they're welcome to send me a direct email at dm at iresearch.com. Perfect. Perfect. Darshan, this has been great. Thanks for coming on today. Hey, it was great uh, talking to you. And uh, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Of course. Hey, for our listeners, uh, I'm going to put the link to iresearch.com down in the episode description below. And also you can email Darshan directly at dm at iresearch.com. Hey, if you've been listening to the podcast and you enjoy the podcast, what the heck are you waiting on? Click that subscribe button, click the follow button so you can keep getting good advice wherever you're at. And don't forget, if you love the podcast and you want to buy me a cup of coffee, you can go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash good advice. You can also get your business advertised on the podcast in our introduction. Again, that's at our Patreon at patreon.com slash good advice. Hey, we appreciate you. Thanks so much for the support. We love bringing you good advice. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'll catch you later. See ya.